you need a Bible, raise your hand and these guys will be glad to give you one. I'm going to make it hard on you today. Turn to Genesis. Very difficult. This is right after the book. Table of Contents. Very good. Now, if you'll notice to my right, I feel like I'm a tour guide. You'll notice to my right, our little beach scene. It's very relaxing. Make you wish in destiny or someplace. But it's there to remind you, as you'll see, you've got surfboards all over the wall around the building. A week from tomorrow, we'll be having VBS, our surf theme, sun surf. That begins a week from tomorrow, from 9 to noon, uh, all week to Thursday. And we'll need some uh, get off today or you are off and can help. So that uh, we we're excited to try to really work great at Bartlett Campus. So we'll kind of see how it's work as well. You're incorporating daycare, summer camp kids in with our uh, inroad. And we're excited about that. Begins a, a week tomorrow. And some volunteers let me know or contact Russ. And we could start, say, tomorrow. A couple other quick things. Uh, when we had the, the uh, directory portraits made, pictures made, I mentioned to it last week, in case you weren't here, there are a number of those that were sent here to the church. They're only, they're, uh, if you didn't, I think the way they did it, if you didn't actually buy additional pictures, got free 8 by 10 I think they mailed here. There are a number of those that are on my desk over here in my massive awesome way out. So they're sitting right on top of my desk, and I alphabetize for you. So if you think yours might be there, go into my office when we get through, and, and as you're getting a sucker, I know y'all think that, because I know, the sucker. There's no way I'm using 400 a week. That's okay. I don't mind providing suckers. But as you go in there to steal your sucker, check and see if your picture might be there and pick it up. All right. Genesis chapter 3. I want to confess something to you or share something to you I found. You might, you might not. My wife and I have been married. I mentioned it as of August. She'll have been married 40 years. How she managed to put up with me shows depth to Alice or how bright she'll wish. But and we're driving down the road the other day, and, we, and now that we're empty nesters with the exception of grandkids, so we're just driving down the road, and a lot of times I like for her to drive because I'm lazy, sleep, she's driving, or do other things. So I had the sports page in my hand, and I'm reading as she's driving wherever we're, we're driving down the road, and I suddenly realized I had one of those husband moments. Confess you come up, mine up. But, so I suddenly had one of those husband moments, I realized she's talking to me. So in my wisdom, now there's nobody in the van but Mary and I. In my wisdom, I turned to her and I say, are you talking to me? She's like, who do you think I'm talking to? And I said, I, I just thought me praying. I it didn't work. So I had to um, grovel, get past somehow. But the realization was I wasn't paying attention to her and I, I need to do that. See, I learned, it only took me years to be a good listener. But the stupid's paid down, right? Pay attention, talk. Actually, I've had that moment, moment on a regular basis. Over. I think I'm going to start, I can't hear. That was, just, pretend, just pretend you can't hear. And I'm sorry, I, I can't. I'm praying the Lord will heal that. Adept. He hadn't yet, I just can't hear you. How many went to the fireworks last night? Man, I saw you out there. It wouldn't give me a ride in the golf cart. Disappointing. I love riding a golf cart, but that's okay. I didn't mind. So... I was sitting there watching those. It's really cool to see all those people out there and the fireworks. And I'm sitting there watching them, and I, lo I love fireworks anyway. We blew a commode up when I but that's a different story. <laughs> Me and this buddy went in the house with cherry bombs. We want to know what would happen to drop them down a the commode. We knew. We found out it blows it off the floor. I, I could ran home, but that's a I'm sitting there last night watching those fireworks, and, and, and it's amazing to think about things. Watch the sky and watch it fade off light, and I think the phrase, the glory of God, kept in my mind. Many times you see that phrase scripture, it's all, many times it's uh, also in the context of approach light or light, the kind of glory of God, full of holy, illuminated of God, the God, and the eternal state, the future, will simply be illuminated, will be illuminated by the very Jesus Christ, or light. So light is a constant theme of the Bible, and we watch amazing fireworks, not just watching them go up and watch it fade, and realize as bright as that is and cool as that is, it and fade Paris the glory to our God in that he allowed us to get a glimpse of that on earth. Boy, what awaits us beyond grave. And as I was thinking about and going through this series on freedom, 
I was really going to talk about something else today when I sat down about a week and a half ago again to word beyond we've been talking about it freedom being free in Christ that Jesus mean by when he said the son makes you free you shall be free indeed and it's so many different things that it means we talked a lot like last week, example when I broke my hand and, and we're talking about our position who we are in Christ that we're born again and we're set free what special realization that is in our lives on a daily basis that we live in the reality that we are the children of God we are born again and that we are secure in Christ far beyond that that he offers to us peace he offers to us hope and as uh, Peter was sharing with us earlier today and I think it's so important we need to understand and I'll tell you how it led into this what we're going to talk about today we need to understand that when Jesus set us free when he saved us and the Holy Spirit came to indwell us, as we read the word of God, suddenly we need to understand, pardon pun, we're free to understand life. Only believers in Jesus Christ, only those who are committed to the word of God and believe that it is true, that it is God's message to us, really understand why we're in the mess we're in. We understand what life's all about. We understand what awaits us. We know the future. Do we know all the timing? No. But what we do know is that this present earth, as we know it, will be destroyed. This present universe, as we know it, will cease to exist. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. And that we, as those who've been set free, we're free indeed. Not only to die and go to heaven. That's good enough. We talked about that last week. If that's all Jesus ever does for me, that's good enough. That's pretty good. That he'd saved me, has forgiven me, has declared me righteous, and says no one will be able to snatch you out of my hand. You are mine. You are my corporately. We are his bride. And he'll come back one day for us. And he longs for the time we will all be together forever. That's what awaits. If that's all we ever have, good, really, it's good enough. But see, we're also free to understand why we live in mixed up world. Is God leading me to something else? And I kept coming back to Genesis 3 because I think he wants us, he wanted me, and I want to share with you how God was teaching me again. I want us to walk through original sin because original sin is the reason we're messed today. Just this week, we're talking, here we are, the 4th of July is upon us. We're celebrating. Peter had his nice little outfit. He teach a science class. <laughs> And here we are as the nation that God has been so good to, has blessed incredibly. We're free, and yet we are gradually, step by step, using what our bondage, which is exactly what Satan wants. We as a culture have said that God will decide what's right and wrong. And this really was the Genesis, upon again, what led me to Genesis 3, because that's exactly what Adam and Eve said to God. We're going to decide what's good, what's evil, not you. We as Americans are going to decide what's good and what's evil. We're going to decide for ourselves what truth is. And God has said this truth. Jesus has said, I am the truth. Just this week in our great nation, we've celebrated a supreme decision. It looks at God and says, we don't care. We're going to do it this way. Just this week, we celebrated a filibuster where, where a woman who's become heroic stood up and filibustered the right to murder in babies. And we celebrate that. Because we've decided we know better, God, than you what's right, what's wrong. We know better as individuals. We know better as a nation. We don't need you. And if you study history in the Bible and outside the Bible, if you study history, every culture that's turned its back on God and has decided that I will rule instead of you, what's happened to them? They're not here anymore. They were destroyed from within morally because they decided we decide what's right and what's wrong. So as we look at free, being free indeed, what is real freedom? What I want us to focus on today, and it's going to take us a couple weeks, 
is understanding because we do know, and I really appreciate what you had to say, so because we do know what life is all about. It's incumbent upon the church to be real and to share every opportunity we get individually, in groups you work with, people, family, that we are real, that we live as those who are free, and we share what it means to be free in Jesus Christ. Because our problem is sin, and Jesus solved the problem. Our problem is sin and the consequences it has brought. And Jesus died and rose from the dead, destroy works the devil, which is sin and death. No other place in the universe, no other place in this great nation that we live in can you find freedom except in Jesus Christ. He sets you free, both now and forever, and we're free to understand what life is all about. Now, what do I mean by that? As Christians, those who understand the Word of God, we look at history, we look at life now. We understand why man is so self-centered. We understand why there's so much evil, so much cruelty. There's torture. There's people that can do what they do to each other. We understand why that happens. Do we like it? Do we understand all the parameters around it? No. We do understand that man, because he is a sinner, can do these things. The tragedy, the sorrow, the heartache, pain, centuries of war, the Holocaust, 9-11, we understand how those things can occur because we believe Genesis 3. We believe it's the truth. We believe that when they chose to rebel against God, they brought sin and they brought death and all the attendant things go with that. that men be so evil to do what they do. We're free. We get it. We understand Satan. We understand sin. We understand death. We understand that life's going to be hard. If you miss anything, everything else I say, please get this. Because we're born again, because we're set free, because we're Christian, despite what some preachers might say, it always comes back, what's the... We are never promised an easy life. Jesus said they put you out of the synagogue and kill you, think they're doing a godly thing. Paul told Timothy, you desire to live godly in Christ, you will be persecuted. Jesus said, the world will hate you because it hated me first. We get that. We understand. Life never promised to us to be easy. What was promised to us would have peace, hope, joy in the midst of our circumstances as they might be. Why? And we understand what awaits beyond the grave. And we look to going home. We don't live. We live eternal, spectral life. Therefore, we understand. We understand how it could be. It's difficult. I want you to look at Genesis 3. I want us to get the central issue down, and then we're going to come back and look at walk through. Look at Genesis 3, verse 5, because this describes the original problem, the problem that's existed as long as human race has been here, and it is our problem right now. Genesis 3, verse 5. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Here's the phrase I want you to get. We'll talk about it a lot. Knowing good and evil. Put that somewhere in your mind. Focus. Knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 5. Look over at verse 22. 322. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Here's the central point of original sin. The history of humanity, what we're going to look at. The reason we understand life. Adam and Eve, at the prompting of Satan, decided we will place God as arbiter of good. God wanted them to understand. I alone have this purview. I am God. I am perfect. I have the right, the authority to decide what is right and what is wrong. Satan convinced them, bought in. They ate. What they said to God was, no, you don't. 
we decide. We will know good and evil. The literal in Hebrew there means to know good and evil is that I will independently decide for myself what is good and what is evil. Today we call it, we've called it many things throughout history, but in most recent times we've called it secular humanism or moral relativism. And it sounds really intelligent, sounds sharp, that Brian decides for Brian what's right and what's wrong. This is America, man. And Dick decides for Dick what's right and what's wrong. This is America. Chris decides for Chris. Zach decides for Zach. Randy decides for why? Man, we're intelligent people. We can make decisions. The problem is, what if Chris decides that killing people who are losing their hair and then around 60 years old is a good thing? Would I go along with that? Probably not, because I fit in that category. I might decide that people that, that like Chris, I just don't like I don't like people named Chris. So they need to be eliminated. Would Chris like that? Probably not. But let's be serious. What if I decide that one of you ladies, obviously now do as a nation, don't want to be pregnant? We decided that's okay. What happened in 19? Surprise, God let us hang. You think the time might come? As I get older, I kind of think, let's say I last 10 more, and then that generation, think that's being talked about now? You don't think that might happen? And a nation is back on tea, it might. I wouldn't be too cool with that, would I? But it might happen. So you need somebody to be the arbiter of right and wrong. This, just the very fact we admit there's right and wrong says there's got to be something out there. God said in the Garden of Eden, I will decide good and evil. Let us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God, was good and evil. I will decide what's good and evil. And Adam and Eve decided what? Who, who by the way, convinced Adam and Eve to make this decision? Satan did. Why was Satan thrown out of heaven, by the way? What did he say? I will ascend my throne above that of the Most High. I will be what? Like God. And he got tossed out for it. So when he got tossed out for it, what did he do? Well, I'll go get them. And he's still doing that today. What's the one thing God wants young people and old people, but particularly you see it, the genesis of it, as it bears fruit, it really grows in academia, kids in college, and young adults as they end work, particularly prior to having children, but even after in many cases. What Satan convinces them is everything. Nothing wrong with questions. It's an honest objective. Bring you back to the truth. Jesus, he said, free. Choose. I'm going to be arbitrary right and not listen, not listen to Christ. You then get is sin. We have got sin and the results of it. So look in Genesis 2. Go back to Genesis 2, verse 16. And let's set the context. Genesis 2, 16. Adam, God has created Adam. The process of creating Eve in the image of God. Don't miss that quote, in the image of God. They have the capacity to love God, capacity to trust God. They are innocent without sin. And God's desire for them is to love him, respond to him. He walks with them. Your Bible says in the cool of the day, that's simply the garden. God walks with them. Probably a pre-incarnate appearance on a regular, they knew it. Why? Because you find out later after they sin, all they can come and they hear him, your conscience. So he's in the garden with them. They know God. God wants to respond. He wants them to love. He wants them to trust. They're created in the image of God. Far above everything else created. They're given dominion over it. So one other point I want to make with this context, because you even hear Bible quote theologians saying this today, and certainly who don't believe the Bible, they say, oh, that's just Genesis 3. If you remove Genesis 3 from the Bible, you cannot understand the Bible at all. So this is either the truth or we're wasting our time. It's proven itself true again. Even if you don't believe the Bible true, it says here, this book written by this guy that we're calling Moses. He's written this story for us. Say it's a fable. How many of you have a two-year-old around a two-year-old? Prior to about months, they're cool, aren't they? Fun to be. In about two, what happens? It's driving me crazy. When they do something wrong and they know it's wrong. How? How? But not only that, they're selfish, are they? I watch my grandkids. It's mine. I want it. Why are they? Are you, you teaching to be selfish? Do you want them to be selfish? As a matter of fact, you talk to them on a regular basis about being what? Play nice. Share your toy. There ain't no way. Sharing it. That's mine. The two of our grandkids were over the house last night. One of them wants a piece of gum. I give her a piece of gum. I didn't check. I got gum. Here, I have gum. So she's starting to walk away, and the other says, can I have the gun? If her one, have a piece of gum. 
And she comes back, this first one comes back and says, can I get a piece of gum for my friend that I'm going to see at the fireworks? And I said, so if I give you this piece of gum, you guarantee me that Aaron's going to get this gum, right? Yes, now this particular night, Trump, Aaron might have gotten the gum. But the other one comes over and says, can I have a piece of gum for Aaron's brother, James? And I said, if I give you the gum, you're going to guarantee the James fireworks. Well, if James doesn't like it, I think I'll chew it. Now, do you think James ever saw that piece of gum? No. You don't teach kids a sin. They know how. They know how because you may not believe Genesis. All right, let's look at verse 16, chapter. Adam, Adam and Eve are being created and process have been. God's placed them in paradise. And think about it for a moment. He's given them light. He's given them life. He's given them nutrition. He's given water. Everything they need to live in Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Please don't miss that point. It's just prior to sin. God looks at Adam and says what? He needs help. Men, was he right? Look at your wife and say, well, a helper comparable to him means in Hebrew, someone to complement or finish, complete him. In other words, does Randy Lockley need Mary Lockley to be everything that Randy Lockley be in the God? And the yes, they were co-regents prior to sin. Hang with me. When I get to it, this we will get to it. Co-regents. Back to verse uh, 18. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Adam is the high point of creation. God and Eve, Adam is dominion. Verse 20. Adam gave names to all cattle, birds of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now, God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept. He took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in place. Poor translation. Literally, it means side. Important. Side. From his side. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from his side, the man made it a woman. He brought her to the man and said, brought her to the man. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of man. His side. Which, by the way, he didn't take from Adam's feet. He didn't take from Adam's head. From Adam's what? And they went through life how? When you get married and you walk down the aisle, how do you walk? Side by side. The woman doesn't walk behind the man and say, do you mind if I walk, I breathe? They walk side by side. It's a partnership. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one. They were both, notice verse 25, extremely important. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were what? Not ashamed. Please don't miss that. The reason we understand life is we understand sin. They were naked. God made them naked, by the way. God created sex for them. It was something God wanted them to enjoy as husband and wife, as partners, not to men. A man and a woman created by God for this relationship. Partners to dominate, control the culture, the universe that God had given to them, the garden, paradise, and to go through life, co-regents, ruling. Being naked, not being shamed, because they did not know sin. Now look back at verse 6. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. You shall come to that also. Here's what I want you to notice. Where had God placed them? They're naked. They're not ashamed. Where do they live? They live in the Garden of Eden. They live in paradise. As I said a moment ago, that light, they've got life, they've got water, they've got nutrition. They've got all this beautiful place to live. They till the ground. It's not hard work. It's, a, it's paradise. Paradise. Now, verse 16, what does God say to them? There's one tree here. You can freely eat of everything else. Now, our culture today would say what? That's awful cruel. 
Why would he withhold something beautiful? Beautiful. Why? It looks good. It tastes good. Why? Were they hurting food? Were they hurting for anything? God said to them, I put you here. I've given everything you could ever even imagine you might want you to trust me. You to love me enough. Trust and don't eat. He didn't put it there to be. He put it there to trust. See if they would, see if they would in this love relationship. And that's what about to happen. Satan, one of the things you need to take away from Satan is your They weren't struggling. Life was not hard. They lived in paradise, and yet he's able to convince them what? God really takes God's cruel, God's fair. A loving God wouldn't do that. We hear that phrase. If he really loved you, he wouldn't tell you not to dead fruit. He'd tell you to have at it. He's being capricious, being unfair. He's being cruel. He's withholding from you something that would make you happy. So I want us to look, first of all, at Satan's pattern of patience. It started in the Garden of Eden, and it's still going on today. Now, I realize this is original sin, and it's unique. But there is a pattern here that we can learn from. We understand temptation. We understand life. And it's interesting how this temptation works. Because what he's tempting them to do is giving them an opportunity to accomplish a good thing in the wrong way. And a lot of times that's what temptation is. This is something that would be good. I want to do it my way, not God's way. Let's see what he does. Verse 1, chapter 3, Satan's pattern of temptation. The first thing he does is question God. He questions God. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Which, by the way, that's not exactly what God had said. More about that later. So Satan's first step in this pattern of temptation to question God. By the way, it's really interesting. It's fascinating. The serpent here, we get a picture of the snake slithering around and that's fine. But the literal Hebrew translation of this is shining one. Please don't miss that. Shining one. I want to show you a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 says, No wonder, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, No wonder, for Satan himself transforms, Satan, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. I mentioned, to it, it mentioned it to you earlier, but th throughout Scripture, you'll see the metaphor of light in relation to the glory of God. You'll see the metaphor of life in relation to the glory of God. Jesus called the light of the world. He talks about we are given the light of life. He lights every man that comes into the world. So, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul wants the church Corinth to understand. Satan is not stupid. He is the master deceiver. So if he's going to come to you and try to deceive you and question your God, might he come disguised as an angel of light? And the answer, yes. He was Lucifer, the bright. He was the leading in heaven, probably like the minister of music. He's sharp, but greater is within you than the world. The first thing he does is question God. He appears to Eve, literal Hebrew here, as a shining one. Notice the other thing it says about him in chapter 3 there, verse 1. The serpent, the shining one, was more cunning than any beast of field. In other words, the shining one appears to the snake, the serpent, as he appears to Eve, craftier, that's the word literally means, anything else they would encounter. Jesus referred to Satan this way, the ruler of this world and the father of lies. Not an accident, you think. The father of lies He's questioning God. He's ultimately going to lie about God to lead Adam and Eve into questioning God. He's more cunning. He's the ruler of this world. He's the father of lies. And the Apostle Paul calls it God this age. What you see in Genesis 3, beginning the origin of how he begins to reign on earth through lies, murder, death, through evil, deception, devouring, or doing what we do. Adolf Hitler, just satanic is good. Hitler did it in God. How many times have, how many cruel things have done throughout history? 
What about in 11? Their God happens all Satan good does. We need to understand we of life can share that. What sin does, what Satan does, lust in concert with him. He's the master of deceit and deception. So verse 1, he said to the woman, he comes in disguise. <clears throat> and notice he comes to the woman. Really interesting. Uh, Romans teaches us the reason that as man fell because Adam sinned. Jesus was the last Adam who came and conquered sin. But notice, Satan goes to Eve first. And we don't know all the reasons, but one of the reasons probably is God creates men and women differently. You have noticed that by now in your life. They are different, and women are more emotional as a rule than men. So he comes to her first. Doesn't mean they are the weaker vessel, by the way. The Bible tells us the vessel, both physically, doesn't mean mentally they're weaker, doesn't mean it means something that's precious you take care of. Satan goes to her, knowing that Adam is going to take care of her. It's really interesting. Eve eats after all this dialogue, and the Bible says she gave it to Adam and he ate. Was Adam culpable? Yes, he's guilty. His choice he chose to eat the fruit. So Satan comes to her, he's more cunning. He comes to the woman, comes in disguise. Remember, they're innocent at the point without sin, trusting God. Satan's goal is to get her distrust God. And he begins by questioning God. And notice how he does it. Verse 1. He said to the woman, has God indeed said? Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Planting a seed doubt about the motive of God. Here's what he's saying to Eve. Is that exactly what God said? Could you have misunderstood God? Either you misunderstood him or what? He's not being very fair. He's not being loving. Maybe you misunderstood him. Begin to plant of doubt. What's really interesting, well, I want to save that. There's a point here we need to take before we move to number two, and that point is this. The garden of your life, they're in paradise. God gives them one limit. The garden of your life has limits, doesn't it? You can't just do anything you want to do. One of the things we try to teach kids growing up is that there's authority. There are rules. There are laws. You have to obey your parents, obey your teacher. You have to obey the law. Life has, you can't do whatever you do. God placed in paradise one limit. Gave in. Second thing, he questions God. Second thing is he contradicts God. Look at verse 4. He questions God. He contradicts God. Verse 4. Serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He blatantly calls God a liar by using a subtle half-truth. Just for a moment, let's fast forward. Because God has said to them, when you eat this fruit, the day you eat it, you will die. Now, the moment they ate it, did they die? Yes or no? No. So if you're Eve and you're Adam at that moment, what are you thinking? Wait a minute. God said, if we eat this, we're going to die. We ate it, we didn't die. Maybe the shining one is right. They didn't die immediately physically, but they began to die at that very moment, didn't they? See, God said, you got to trust me. Because here's what Satan does. He gave them a parameter that you couldn't check out. He said, God didn't, you're not going to die. Don't you think when they ate it and they didn't die, what is he doing? Woo, I told you. Who told you the truth? Was it God or me? See, they were going to die at some point down the road. There wasn't any way to check that out, was it, at this point in time? You have to trust God. We now know, based on history, how many of us are going to die? All. All. Hebrews pointed unto man once to die, and after that, judgment. We're going to die. And what God said was going to happen. And it began at that moment. They, died, they began to die physically. You began to die physically the day you were born. I was born January 17, 1954. Almost 60 years ago, it began to die. At some point in time in the future, I will not physically exist in the dead. I love Jesus, though he may die. So you're going to die physically, and you are dead spiritually. That's why we understand. We don't live the 70, 80, 90, 100 that we have on this planet. We got it. We know life is tough. It's the truth. One more thing we're going to quit for. So he contradicts God. He blatantly calls God a liar. He said, you're not really. That's God. He's not really telling you the truth. So then you get step three. Do this one quick. Step three, verse five. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the next thing, doubt. The God didn't want you to eat that because God really didn't. He really doesn't want you to. He distorts that you'll be like God. 
And that literally means, as I said earlier, independent right decide for self and evil. Here's what Satan is saying. God is the one who knows good and evil. And he knows that if you eat that fruit, you're going to know it. And he doesn't want to have that with what God had said to them is arena. Trust that I know what I'm doing and don't eat this. Trust me. I love giving you this. My response is Satan's cast out of heaven. We said it earlier. For them, and for them to know good and evil, catastrophic. And we now know. Looking back historically, look at all the tragedy in his man to take God's place. Here's the Eve's dilemma. The shining one says we'll be like God. God says we'll die. So the last point for the shining one, the master deceiver comes to her and says we'll be like God. Where God has said he'll die. Which sounds better to you? Satan going to offer you something that doesn't sound good. Of course not. He's the master deceiver. He's going to come as an angel of light. And he's going to say, I know you're married. And I know you exchanged vows. Why? Man, that's a good look. God doesn't. God wants you to know God wants you. When he says something, when he says right, no, don't have the capacity to sin. And the bottom line of sin is pride. Selfishness. That pattern began in the Garden of Eden. And he comes to you and says, I know you've heard about God and Sunday school and all that junk. Go to church. You, hear that, you know, you got all those religious people and they're telling that if you give your heart to Jesus, you know you're not going to life anymore. You know, I have a brother that I've witnessed to. But you know what he says to me? In his 50s. Here's what my brother said. Well, I, I think that Jesus might be the. I, I just don't want to give him. Before I die, I'll be careful. What's the Bible say? You don't even know if you got it tomorrow. And if that's your attitude, probably not going to. God can. He's going to question God, get you to doubt God. Father, we thank you for loving us and sending us truth, the person of Christ. Lord, we are desperate as individuals, individuals and as a cult. We need. I pray, Father, you, for those of us that are born again, you would use us with our families, friends, neighbors, co-workers, every arena and avenue you give us. Because as Christians, we understand life without sin. Sin is done. Jesus conquered sin. We understand it. I pray we share it. You'd use us, Christ Church. Lord, as we close out to the Christian, pray we understand pattern. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Listen to not lies. Lord, if there's somebody here who's not a Christian, we're all sinners. They realize I am a sinner. Just died by sin. And say to Jesus, say, I will be set free. Please stand as we sing.